Welcome to a Monday edition of uh, my podcast. Um, I have done some quite sort of um, more serious topics uh, over the time and I just thought I'd get back to something a little bit more um, uh, or a bit less heavy really. So I'm going to talk about uh, poultry, chickens and the actual ins and outs of day-to-day keeping of, of um, different types of poultry. Uh, I'm not going to talk about rules and regulations and um, things like that because all of that can be found, if, if that's what you want to go into, all of that can be found on official websites uh, so that you know what you're doing and what you can and you can't do. <coughs> so <clears throat> I'm just going to talk about how it actually works how it runs the pitfalls the you know the joys uh of keeping various different poultry um because that along with the vegetables is mainly what we do so um that's that's what i know so that's what i'm going to talk about today so uh hope you enjoy this one How do you start off? Well, in our case, how we started off was, um, oh, I fancy keeping some chickens, uh, which probably said to a few people, or somebody said that they keep chickens, and, oh, that one might be a good thing. I'd quite like to do that. Next thing you know, somebody's giving you some chickens. Uh, well, in our case, bantams. Somebody, um, as our next door neighbour actually, back in our old house, said, oh, um, I know someone who's given up their bantams. Would you like them? Um, yes, please. That's great. So you, and then it's a mad scramble to go and build a, a run or, you know, we had we bought a shed. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's always a mad scramble when you're going to get anything. It's never, uh, well, for some people, I'm sure it's a thought, well thought out process, but... On the whole, I find it's a mad scramble to get things up together quickly uh, before they arrive. So that's how we started out with just, I think it was about six bantams um, that somebody gave us uh, back when we lived at our other place. If you are um, moving to a small holding, I guess you, um, for your first time, I guess you will probably have looked into it and researched it a bit and you off you go and you know where to find them there's a few pitfalls uh when you're out buying chickens of any anywhere uh anywhere apart from a reputable breeder obviously uh you if there are a lot of um poultry auctions uh and on the whole at a poultry auction people are getting rid of what they don't want anymore for various reasons and so uh you do have to know a little bit about your chicken about chicken to see uh if you're a if you are getting a bird that's you know young you don't you don't want old scrappy birds i mean you might um you might feel sorry for them and want to give them a home but if you are wanting to them to produce you anything um that's not a terribly good idea uh really people are usually getting rid of them because they've got an old they don't lay they've got a problem not always, but um, on the whole, uh, in my experience of uh, poultry auctions, that's usually what's on offer. So, uh, uh, so for me, uh, when we first came here with our few little bantams, um, I then thought, right, I had a good look and a bit of research and I thought, what kind of chickens would I like to be looking after? You know, what would I like to have? And I chose um, Buff Orpingtons because they are wonderfully um, characterful birds, um, beautiful, big and fluffy. And uh, that's what I chose. And I bought, I paid decent money from a reputable breeder for my chickens in the beginning. Uh, that didn't really, I mean, they. I, I, my intention was to breed from them. Um, and sell, you know, purebred Buffalpingtons. That was, um, (laughs) there were some successes and there were some failures with that. Uh, 
Orpingtons are notoriously difficult to sex um, when they, as they get older. And I, a couple of times, you know, I've sold what I thought was a, a hen, a point of lay hen, only for the customer to come back and say, my hen is crowing. Uh, okay, that got that wrong. So, um, but that was, I mean, it was inexperience really. Uh, and I'd probably be much more experienced, uh, you know, 10, 11 years on. Uh, so we had uh, Buff Orpingtons for a while um, until that, you know, batch sort of died out. Um, and then well, we've gone through all stages where literally, again, somebody who uh, we knew uh, through somebody else um, ha- was getting absolutely um, distraught with the fox keep attacking her flock. So she had a multitude of things. And uh, she decided she'd just give up. And so somebody said, oh, she's got a load of birds. Would you like them? So we went over and had a look and said, yes, please. And there was a, you know, a, a mixed bag, really, of, of um, chickens and ducks. I think that was our first foray into ducks then. Chickens and ducks. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. But, but you know, a, a complete mixed bag that she had had over time, which, again probably wasn't the best idea but but it increased our flock in various ways and uh we had a you know there was a couple of very feisty cockerels in there and some beautiful gentle ducks and things like that so that's uh how we ended up with our next sort of lot I think and then after that what happened after that we then we decided that these chickens, although they were lovely and they were pure breeds, you know, a lot of them, they didn't particularly lay very well, uh, th- especially through the winter. So we would then, we bought some hybrids so that we would have a good supply of eggs. And, uh, of course, what we ended up with was way too many eggs for us, just for us, which is when we started to think, well, OK, we'll sell them. We sold them on to uh, friends and family. And then somebody else would say, oh, you know, we really would like to buy some if you've got any spare. So we bought in some more chickens and so on and so forth. And we had, we had a little tiny little, you know, like a, a little guard sentry shed. We had one of those when we started out, uh, just a very tiny shed. And we put out a couple of boxes and people got to know that they were there. And then eventually um, we built a bigger shed because by that time I was growing vegetables. And so there wasn't enough room in the in the shed for vegetables. So we built a bigger shed but um yeah over time we've had uh so many different types of chickens but constantly we've had the hybrid um laying flocks to to provide eggs to sell uh my intention was always to have pure breed um, and i and i've had some beautiful pure breeds over the time some um silver dorkins uh some jubilee sussex which are absolutely gorgeous um but they uh, trying to find good quality breeding stock is harder and harder and i you know i've done the whole thing where i've bought the eggs off from ebay and hatched those out and some of them turn out to be good birds and some of them turn out to be not the birds that they were labeled to be (laughs) so it, it is all a bit of a but it's all good fun i mean it is all good fun as well it's not um it's not all doom and gloom it's uh you know you got to have a little bit of fun throughout the whole thing and my you know i said all my intention was always to have some kind of uh pure breed flock uh small flock well i always say to john all i ever wanted was a pure breed flock uh for myself but we ended up with uh, a whole lot more chickens than uh than we intended and that you will find happens a lot you will always find you are going to end up with uh far more chickens than you ever intended to because they become quite addictive especially if you go to places and they're for sale you're like oh yeah just yeah a couple more for the flock would be very nice so that is uh basically how you end up with lots of chickens lots of different chickens and we've had you know at the minute we've got our light sussex which I I do like as a as a as a breed. They're nice chickens. Um, yeah, uh, so chickens on the whole are pretty easy to look after, generally speaking. What do chickens need? 
well. They need water, obviously, like every other life form, constant supply of of water. And there is a um, two trains of thought on the water, as always. Some people think they must have um, fresh, clean water from the mains. Um, other people prefer to give them rainwater, and I am in the other people section. I... Uh, if they if we need to give them mains water, they can have more, you know we don't have any rainwater, but I prefer to give them rainwater, and the reason I prefer to give them rainwater is because um I have watched our chickens over the years, and they prefer to drink out of a puddle, even if it's muddy uh rather than their fresh water um obviously in the summer, you don't have a lot of uh rain so um and often, even though we try to collect as much rainwater as we can, we we do run out, and so they will have mains water then. But uh, there's two trains of thought. Uh, um, that's uh, probably a, another topic, but uh, I, I try as much as possible to let the animals, uh, any animals that we've got, live as naturally as possible, which, in my head, includes rainwater uh, rather than the mains water, but you know there's a whole different schools of thought on that but so that's really up to you to decide which one you were going to go down for that route um always collect as much water rain water as you can anyway regardless of whether you're giving it to them or not because uh you know the more water you can collect the the more money you're going to save on your water bill although john tells me water very cheap but it's a cheap commodity but uh, even so um if you can save a bit here and there that's that's always got to be a good thing uh good for the environment as well so water yes and what kind of well we're over the time with everything i'm going to talk about over time we have tried various different um water holders you know we've tried the ones that they make especially for chickens uh we've tried uh, buckets we've tried bowls we've tried uh, the only thing we did, never really tried are the nipple drinkers because um, we don't have uh, they're not connect we're not connected up to the mains for the water there so, so uh, I think that would be rather difficult running it on rainwater that's been collected in the big tank it's probably gonna have bits of debris in it and which clog up the nipple uh, drinkers so we we've never really tried those <clears throat> but we have done uh Various other things, and what I find is a basically a plastic washing up bowl um, is probably your best option if you've just got a few chickens because uh, uh, buckets are a little bit too high, they have to stand on the bucket in order to drink the water, which means in the winter they get the top of the bucket all dirty. Uh, so, a lower if you can get a half bucket, I'm always saying to John, if you ever see half buckets, find a half bucket because. That would be ideal. Um, the, the the problem with plastic buckets are that obviously that they, well, anything really will freeze hard in the winter. Um, don't turn your bucket over and kick the bottom to get the lump of ice out because invariably you will split the bottom of the bucket. <laughs> so, you know, it's best to have more than one bucket. And actually in those times you have to go back to the house and fill up a bucket Um if if your bucket if your whatever is out there is frozen solid, either take a kettle of hot water, defrost it, which, or you come back and you you know fill it up from the house and take a fresh one out, which can be quite time consuming. But you know sometimes you just have to do that. Uh, yeah. So on the whole, we just use any low, um, plastic or metal. We've got some old. Um, somebody gave us. Uh, when somebody's school kitchen was shutting down, there's some, do you remember the old uh, metal, uh, I suppose, mixing bowls that they used to have? Um, we've got quite a few of those in various shapes and forms, which we use uh, around the place. But uh, plastic on the whole is easier to clean. Metal ends up getting dented for one reason or another, and then the bits of, you know, the dirt get collects in all the dents and things like that. But uh, that's what we found. Um the waterers they they're very the waterers that they 
give you they're always quite difficult to clean out because they tend to have a tiny little plastic rim that you can't it tucks upwards and you can't get round get anything in there to clean it out um and also with the waterers they you have to lay them very on very flat surface otherwise if you lay them on even slightly slope all the water will dribble out and uh you, you'll be forever uh, topping it up all through the day so that's waterers um chickens obviously need water they need feed they need food and my personal opinion is with a, uh, a free-range purebred flock, um, they're quite, if you've got enough space, they will probably find forage for enough food to keep them going. Definitely, they, they would definitely forage for enough food to keep them going. However, if you want them to lay as well, you'd you need to supplement that because uh they're not going to f probably find enough in order to lay eggs and definitely hybrids they need their their layers pellets you know the hybrids that are going to lay eggs that you're going to sell they are going to need uh layers pellets which have all the nutrients that they need and they would need that before they went out to forage if you see what i mean so if you want your chickens to definitely lay, you need to give them layers pellets because uh, we've tried both ways and they definitely don't lay if you're not giving them pellets. Try not to overfeed your birds because overfeeding your birds is just as bad as underfeeding your birds because if you overfeed your birds, they will um, accumulate layers of fat inside, which then slows down their, their, uh, the processes that go on with egg laying and things. And you don't want that either. So always look at the uh, the recommendation of how much to give them every day and uh, try to keep to that. Um, food, what you put your food in is another thing. We've been through so many different types of feeders. Um, we've tried, when we had just a few chickens, the little uh, plastic ones with the, they have like, they're segmented at the bottom and the chicken's supposed to scratch it round and, and uh, get those out. They're fine unless they get wet and then it clogs up. And they also are very difficult to clean. And the little, uh, so the metal rod that goes through the middle with the um, nuts on the end that holds it in place, that often rusts and it, they're impossible to get undone and clean. So again, we use just an open bowl of some sort on the whole for the smaller flocks um you can get uh what are they called a right uh i don't know if they're rhino buckets but you can get the little tight you can get sort of very shallow ones or you can get like rubber horse um bucket horse feeding type buckets as well they're very shallow and they're very rubbery and they very you know they last a long time those so if you just got a few we then bought um uh, feeders when we had bigger flock bit feeders big enough to get a whole 20 kilo bag of uh feeding uh, which was a total disaster <laughs> because we put all the feed in and we went out there and the whole lot i don't know what the chickens done they just kind of fed in a frenzy and the whole lot was on the floor outside the feeder you know they just they just managed to get the whole lot to just fall out i have no idea how at the minute, we've got, for our bigger flock, we've got a, a small square, um, I suppose it's like aluminium feeder with a, with a lid on. Uh, it has a lid on top and it has to, uh, it has, it's kind of like a little mountain inside and you pour the feed in and it, it falls down each side and the chickens, you know, take it as they want it and more falls down. That is fine. We actually originally bought that for the ducks uh which and it was outside and we found that the water got in the rain got in even though it wasn't supposed to and the rain got in and clogged up the feed uh in the corners which stopped the feed from falling down so we then uh moved it inside with our uh chicken flock at the front it's it stays inside it it keeps dry it works perfectly fine for a bigger flock which means we don't have to top it up every day we can top it up every couple of days and there's always plenty of feed for them because uh hybrids really want to have ad lib feed um <clears throat> the 
in the afternoon, and we always feed our chickens layers pellets in the morning, and they get scratch corn, what I would call scratch corn in the afternoon. And the reason they have that separately is because they will choose to eat the corn over the layers pellets, which means they won't lay as well. So they have the layers pellets in the morning, they feed from that all day uh, to get all the nutrients they need in order to lay well. And then in the evening or the afternoon, they have uh, a very small amount of corn and the corn, uh, they take that in really and truly want to give them that an hour before sunset. That sits in their belly and keeps them going overnight, really, basically, especially when it's cold. Um, so that just keeps their, their body heat just ticking over uh, overnight. So that's what you want to be aiming for when you're feeding chickens, uh, watering and feeding chickens. And chickens they i mean they will they like any vegetables that have come off of the garden straight from the garden uh, it is i will just say this when i said i wasn't going to do any rules and regulations but it is against the law to feed your chicken scraps that have been into your kitchen uh, so you cannot give them peelings and things like that that have been in your kitchen but if you have for instance a couple of courgettes or pumpkin or whatever on your allotment or cabbage or whatever that can go straight from the garden to your chickens, but not if it's been inside your house, in your kitchen, firsthand. So that's one to remember. But that, yeah, that's watering and feeding the chickens, um, basically. And the, other, the only other thing in there that you will need to give them is uh, uh, mixed uh, calcium. Well, they need calcium. And you, that's mixed oyster shell and grit. And they... And they mistake a lot of people make is just getting them oyster shell they need the oyster shell in for the calcium and they need a grit in order to grind up uh the the feed so they do need a constant supply of that in order to function properly get everything functioning properly they need oyster shell and grit alongside in a separate tub uh, somewhere that they can just dip into whenever they want. You would think that if they were free ranging, they'd probably find enough grit and things out outside. It doesn't seem to work like that. I can tell you over the years, we've I've noticed that if you don't give it them, the the eggshells then start to get quite thin. So they do need that all the time, uh, as a constant supply, in order to uh, keep their egg laying and their their you know their guts turning over properly. The next thing on the list um, when you're keeping chickens is obviously shelter in one form or another. In my ideal world, um, I would have chickens living in an orchard, uh, roosting in the trees overnight. But uh, because of predators, uh, that's not going to ever work very well here. So you do need some kind of uh, home for them to live in and again over the years we have tried various different things when we came here we've got some beautiful vintage I mean they're antique actually over 100 years old um, mobile chicken huts we have kept uh, probably about 50 chickens in we've got two of these huts so in each hut would hold 50 chickens. I'm thinking back in the day, they probably would have been made for around about 100 chickens. But uh, my personal opinion is that 50 is more than enough in there. Um, and they have roosting bars in. They have one side right down the side, which lifts up. That's for feed. And the other side is the laying box uh, all the way along the side. It works quite well. They have slatted bars at the bottom. Uh, it works quite well for the chickens, I have to say. And most of these things that we've tried work well for the chickens. However, they are incredibly difficult to clean out. Uh, you, the ones that we've got there up off the ground on uh, cast iron wheels, there's not enough headspace in there to stand up. So it's back-breaking work getting in there, trying to scrape 
uh, all the crap off of the bars, um, it just it just doesn't work very well for somebody who's cleaning them out. And I would say that for a lot of these uh, chicken huts that people design, there never seems to be any shift on the design. They always seem to be very similar. And uh, while they might work you know, nicely for the chickens, they don't work very well when you need to clean them out. Even the the types that you get, like the, uh, you know, they can be either for chickens or rabbits. And uh, the, they, ha yes, they have removable trays um, in there that you can, tr to you know, pull out to clean. But actually, when you've got a lot of debris on top of that tray, um, that it becomes very difficult. You basically need to clean it out before you can remove the tray. Uh, the tray then also rusts, doesn't take very long before they rust. Uh, they're not particularly well put together, these things that are knocked out of factories. Um, tiny little nails to hold them together. They soon uh, weather quite quite badly. Um, that's not to say we, you know, we have bought them, we have used them. They don't really last terribly long and... Uh, they're not that easy to clean out. There's always little notches and nooks and crannies that you can't quite get into to clean out. So, uh, although they are a good, they're great if you've just got one or two chickens or a few chickens. They're not ideal things. I don't think we've tried the little one, the little houses that sit on the floor. We've tried the little cages with the little runs inside, um, and none of them really. Uh, fit for purpose as far as I'm concerned but um as far as the chicken's concerned brilliant but not not for cleaning out so what is ideal well we have found and we've now got two pens like this we found that if you can get and we've had to build them ourselves so basically both pens are uh tall enough to get in stand upright so they've got a, a full-size door to get in through they have a concrete floor so that we can scrape that floor and we use a you can get a thing that plasterers use to scrape the floor after they finish it's a long-handled scraper we scrape the floor with that um we have perches obviously that can be taken out at, at you know at the a height where you're not stooping down to pick them up to get them out you can take them out and we have um john built nest boxes that are all basically like a um like a storage unit like a cube with lots of little boxes in but each one of the uh bottom of that slides out so that the whole thing all the bottoms of those can be taken out and the whole thing is then just um a, you know a box of its own if you see what i mean it's a bit difficult to describe but the more things that you can remove uh, to clean out with less nooks and crannies, the better, uh, because it's going to make your job a whole lot easier, especially the more chickens you've got. I mean, in the big, when they raise big chickens, they have just the big sheds. The chickens are deep littered in it. Um, when the time comes and the chickens all move on for whatever reason, the whole thing is just cleared out and uh, swabbed down and it's ready to go again that's basically really what you want you want it to be as easy as possible for you to get in there and clean it out as quickly as possible it takes up less time in your day um so that that's basically those are the ones that we use now um we also have um a stable block that uh because the horses don't really come in very much we will we use the stables now and again and our come to that reason later on but uh, we use a stable uh for one lot at the minute because we have the the one of the runs we uh, cleaned it all down uh, a couple of months ago and uh we're leaving it to uh really to clear out any pests and everything for a few months um again i'll come to that later on but yeah so if you're if you're getting chickens and any number of chickens, think of the best, uh, the best for them and also the easiest for you to clean out because you do want to be standing up when you're cleaning out. 
you don't want to be bent over double trying to get into places on your hands and knees full of chicken poo and things like that it's not it's not good it's not good for you and it's not it's you know it doesn't help with your day-to-day psyche if you're crawling around in chicken muck trying to clean them out so that was that is what I would say about that and they do you know and chickens are fairly robust I mean we ours have got one one of them is open to the elements apart from the the wire mesh um the other one has uh plenty of air gaps in it I would say um you know they're quite robust when it comes to winter when there's plenty of them in there giving off a lot of heat so yeah, so that those are the various types of housing we've um tried for chickens. Uh and I would go, you know, really if you can stand it. I mean a, a shed is ideal. If you've got a few chickens, we started off with a like whether a, a 6 foot by 4 foot shed or whatever it is. Um we built a little uh, nest box at the back. We put some perches up. Ideal because I could get in there, clean that out easily enough. But uh, so that that's ideal. I would not. I would go for a shed over these fancy little chicken houses that they build because they are a bit fiddly to clean out most of the time. I've found. The main reason chickens need housing is obviously because of predators. Um, you need to keep them safe, uh, especially overnight. Um, main predator, obviously, being the fox. But there are other predators as well, um, depending on where you live. But, you know, it, a particularly um, big cat, you know, domestic cat, might take a fancy to killing your chickens. Uh, a dog might get in. Uh, escaped ferrets are quite often... a um a problem you know uh, people ferret in the countryside but often they don't find their ferret again and uh could, could turn up by your chicken run somewhere we, we've had that a couple of times in the past so you need to keep your chickens safe from any predators um, especially overnight and you will always need to be on hand to shut your chickens away at night uh, as as it falls dark because if you're not there you you are not going to have chickens for very long that that's a fact <laughs> um so yeah you need to robust enough to not for the to the fox can't get in particularly the fox i mean doubt if anything else much might uh, force its way in but a fox will definitely force its way in uh, through any weakness in your in your shelter that it can find um the other predators that are smaller like a ferret or uh, even a rat will squeeze in through the smallest of holes so you know if you've got something that does have holes down low uh, you know do make sure your chickens can roost up high uh, one of the other problems with our vintage huts is that They've got it's got slats at the bottom, and one night, and we've had this, um, which is quite distressing. The chicken might sit on the floor rather than on the roosting bars up higher. It will sit on the slats on the floor, and we have had it where the fox comes up underneath and chews the legs off the chicken. That is uh, just awful. It's another one of the reasons that the those huts are not really fit for purpose anymore. The reason being that back in the day when they built those type of things, um, fox hunting was obviously much more, it was a thing. Uh, And so as a farmer or a chicken farmer, you could, if you had a problem with a fox, you could call the local hunter. They would come and hunt on your land and they would take, you know, they would get the fox. So it was no longer an issue. We don't have that anymore. And there are plenty more foxes around. Um, and so you really do need to be aware of that at all times, really. Foxes are your biggest problem uh, if you're not shutting them away properly or if if your their housing isn't secure um, overnight. That is, that is going to be your biggest problem. 
that also uh, sometimes you get the daytime problem from a daytime fox, but there's not really a lot you can do about that. It's uh, it's just one of those things you just have to. We tend to, if we can, we just shut the chickens away until that fox has moved on, and you know we'll shut them in all day if if we have to, so that, that fox just moves on and figures that it can't really get anything here, because at one time we used to you know get them dealt with, but there's way too many of them now um and so that's no longer something we do so we have to take different measures we've bought a uh a big wired enclosure that fits next to the door on our nighttime enclosure and so if we think there's going to be a problem if we got to nip out or anything like that we will just let them out into the wire enclosure uh, so they can't actually just then go out and free range but that is just for use every now and again when we've got a problem we don't use that all the time most of the time they get out to free range but yeah predators rats are um obviously uh, then people say if you're gonna have chickens you're gonna have rats nearby because chickens tend to even if you've got nice feeders the the, the feed just tends to end up on the floor um some in, somewhere the rats take any every opportunity to find a free free food um so if you can always keep your feeders up off the floor however you're still going to get discard that falls on the floor uh and so likely chances are you're probably still going to end up with uh, rats you have to be incredibly incredibly um tidy in that instance uh, to avoid it and to be fair i mean we do have rats i have you know what one i think about a couple of years ago we had a real problem with rats and i think they were living underneath the hut that we've got the thing the shed that we built at the front um and we just couldn't you know we had a um a dog pack out to try and find them but uh he said they weren't actually living there i thought they were living there he said not actually living there they're coming from somewhere else but they're not actually on the farm but, so how do you how you deal with that when i don't know but the the way that it got dealt with eventually is we had such a lot of rain that year it flooded that paddock and uh since then we've not really had a problem with them um not in that paddock anyway so you know things things like that happen and but yeah, rats and, you know, rats, not they don't just eat the food. I mean, if you're trying to breed, they will eat chicks and things like that. So you do have to, uh, you know, look out for that as well. Um, crows, I would also put in the predatory uh, section, not because they will particularly pick on your chickens, although they might if they were chicks, but because they will ravage the food if they can see it out in the open so always try and keep keep your birds fed uh undercover somewhere which um is a is a good thing to learn to do anyway because we do have uh when i first started keeping chickens i've never even heard of this and for probably eight eight years it wasn't an issue and then all of a sudden we had an outbreak of bird flu one year and uh, suddenly we had to house our birds indoors, keep the food indoors, keep the water indoors, uh, not let any contact happen between the chickens and the wild birds, which is a lot more difficult than it sounds. Um, it's another reason that we we are able to and we do use the stable block when that happens when we have to go into lockdown for our chickens they will all move into the stable block because we can keep them in there we can keep the wild birds out um of their water and their feed uh you know and we have we have to do that by law so uh, that's what we do but um uh, the very first time it happened we couldn't do that because we had lots of horses here and uh they were using the stables so we tried every which way to tarpauling it up and you know putting netting up and everything it was an absolute disaster year but you know we had to keep on soldiering but, but soldiering on with it but now we don't have as many horses taking up the stable so we do use the stable blocks so always bear in mind that if you have to lock your birds down um how are you going to do that um you know, and how are you going to do it where it's best for the birds and for you to get access and things like that? Because trust me, trying to crawl under tarpaulins that are flapping around in the winter is not easy, not fun at all. 
pests and diseases are the next one. Um, the, there are two big ones, obviously, uh, that I've come across. Uh, the first one is the one of the biggest problems you're ever going to come across is the red mite situation. Now, re um, red mite are a tiny little mite, obviously, that they don't live on the bird. They live in crevices in your housing and they come out at night and they feed on your bird's blood. Uh, so like little blood-sucking vampire mite things. Um, <laughs> and they are uh, quite a problem. They're a massive, massive problem for the industry. The industry spends um, millions of pounds on uh, trying to eradicate them, get them under control. Um, I dare say the, you know, the other industry... Uh, makes millions of pounds on red mite control, um, various powders and sprays and uh, things like that. Um, we have been through all of those different things, you know, the red mite sprays and things that barely seem to work. Um, we have used, uh, and I still use, to be fair, diatomaceous earth, um, I use that just because I I do think that is, I tend to use that more as a for the the chickens to dust bath in than anything but uh that's I do use that and we've spent probably thousands of pounds on trying to you know use various different concoctions to uh get on top of the red mite one of the easiest and simplest and cheapest ways we have found um, is something uh, that I found on the internet after a lot and a lot of searching for, you know, ideas. And I came across uh, a, a paper, a university paper, that was um, talked about using cardboard traps. Now, in the... I don't know... I didn't know this, but in the in the hotel industry and the hostel in the industry, they use uh, these little uh, bed bug detectors and they're like little traps, little cardboard traps, uh, apparently. So they can put them in the, host in the hostels or the hotels uh, and they can detect whether they have got a, an infestation of bed bugs or not. Um, this paper then transferred that use to uh, to using it to try and eradicate or, or keep the levels of red mite under control in chicken houses. Now, what they did was they used uh, cardboard. And so you use, so any cardboard that, you, you know, you come across in a cardboard box, you cut it to the size that you want it in your nest box and you cut it with a sharp knife so that you can see the corrugation inside in the layers and the smaller the corrugation, the better it's going to work. Uh, you put those in the bottom of the nest box. And basically, the mite like to hide inside the corrugation there. Uh, and then once a week when you clean them out, uh, or however often you clean them out, you simply lift that cardboard out along with all your straw or hay or wood chip or um, sawdust or whatever you keep them on and you burn it and you've burnt probably millions and millions of red mite uh, thus you keep uh, the numbers under some sort of control uh, the other thing we use which is also very cheap and very simple is uh, petroleum jelly so we use that to grease up the ends of the roosting bars um, and along the bar because again that will help uh, sticky obviously and it will trap the red mite as they're crawling along uh, the roosting bars to try and get to your chicken's legs so those are two very cheap very easy ways uh, that work effectively uh, rather than spending um, uh, hundreds of pounds on other types of prevention uh, and prevention is what you aim for. Cure is not going to happen, especially if, you know, your birds are free ranging because wild birds have red mite and it's, there's always going to be a transference somewhere along the line. 
I have heard people say, but if you have a plastic house for your chickens, you're not going to get red mite. Well, I've seen with my own eyes uh, red mite gathering on plastic feeders and plastic waterers. So that it doesn't always work. I mean, granted, you could probably hose down uh, the red, the plastic much easier than you could anything wooden. But, uh, you know, that's just going to be something that uh, is preference, really. The other thing we use, uh, because we can, because we are a farm, we are a, a commercial property and we are a farm, is we can still use uh, old-fashioned creosote. Not the new creosote, which doesn't have um, the compounds in it that creosote does. Uh, creosote will kill off and soak into the wood and kill off red mite. So uh, if, you know, so we choose that. We choose to use that because it's one of the old-fashioned remedies that works. Uh, a lot of the new stuff just doesn't work. Um, so when we don't use that all the time, obviously. So what we do is, and that's what I'm saying about that pen at the back, what we've done is we have uh, cleared it all out, washed it all down, and then we've creosoted the uh, any wood elements in there, which are nesting boxes, roosting bars. And that will need to dry. We can't put the chickens back in there until it's dry. And we will give it a couple of, a few months to dry off. We can do that because we've got a stable, so we can move them to the stable. But a lot of people can't do that. Um, the other thing that will uh, help to keep them under control when you're trying to clean through is a diluted uh, solution of Jay's fluid. They don't like that. Uh, and obviously it's, you know, wet as well. But diatomaceous earth um, does get sprinkled around in the, in the bedding and everything. It's supposed to work. It cuts, it's, uh, I think it's silicone. It, it's quite sharp. Underneath a microscope, apparently it's very sharp and it would cut into uh, the red mites uh, you know layers and so it, it's supposed to work so I use it just because um, and also I like to use it for for the chickens to be able to dust bath in along with uh, with other things like sand and things or com uh, fine compost which they love that's the that's the first pest um disease obviously bird flu uh which i covered in the last one you have to be prepared for outbreaks of bird flu you have to follow the law um you know whether you've got one or two chickens or none you know law still applies to you uh it, yeah it's a pain in the bum but um you know you I think we had it. We had it not last year. Did we have it last year? Yeah, we did have it last year, uh, but we didn't have it the year before. But we did have it the year before that. So it's, it kind of goes like that, really. And uh, you just have to be prepared for that and uh, do what's necessary. So always remember. And it, I think it came as quite a, a shock to a lot of chicken owners when they realised that they they had to do that. But uh, always make sure you've got a plan B for in case that happens. Um, there are other pests. There are uh, uh, lice. You know, chickens get lice. So we, lots of farm animals get lice, um, uh, just like your kids do at school, head lice and things like that. So we do have uh, what they call farmhouse louse powder. We've never used it on anything other than the chickens, and and again in the dust bathing. Um, so, but it's all it all it's all good. It all helps to keep them. You know keep them in the best condition that you can uh there's northern fowl mite i've never come across it i know it's an issue some in some places not come across it myself so can't really talk about that one but um and then there are things like um oh, co what they call cosy uh which generally doesn't happen in um vaccinated flocks now, the, our, all our hybrids will be vaccinated uh, day old um, because they come from within the industry. Our pure breeds are never vaccinated because uh, it costs too much for me to go out and buy a vaccination vial, you know, vial of something to vaccinate them with for the amount of birds that we 
might might produce which is probably about six chicks a year it's not it's not cost effective so we don't vaccinate them however they the the vaccinated chickens can pass on they can be carriers and pass on various uh, diseases to your unvaccinated flock if you're working like that uh, we have had um, a couple of incidents uh, a few years ago of marex and things where the chickens um it's neurological and they they do they die in the end uh, so you know we have had that but not for a while and um just one thing to bear in mind if you are running a vaccinated flock with an unvaccinated flock uh there are things that you need to to look out for um Kosi being sort of one of them and marex and the plethora of other diseases i mean the list is is long uh so but you know again if you're going to go into chickens you're going to look those sort of things up and delve into the whys and where and whatnots about that so i leave that to to you to look at um i think that's all the, they're the main ones that i that have come that i've had to deal with that I've come into contact with that i know about uh i'm sure there are plenty of others but uh that's all i can really talk about is what i've done and what i know The well-being of your chickens is obviously uh, your biggest priority and I've covered uh, a, f a couple of things um, in the previous sections but there are just uh, one or two more things that you might come across um, the longer you keep chickens. Um, obviously worms is one that, that crops up in everything, um, any, any animal. Uh, my particular thought on worming is uh or this is what i practice i don't worm any animal unless uh worms are detected <clears throat> either through fecal count or i can physically see them so i don't worm unless i see worms i don't hold with the whole idea of constant worming uh just in case because um well it's quite it's complicated to go into but it again it's you if if it's something that that you um are concerned about uh then you need to look at both sides of the argument for and against routine worming or not uh, i choose not to um but many people choose to routinely worm it just it's just a case of how you personally want to move forward with that and uh, the reasons behind that so that is always personal choice but I personally choose not to worm anything uh, and unless there is evidence of worms um, but it is something that you need to bear in mind that uh, you will come across um, the other ones are and when I go into well-being so obviously the better your chickens are kept and looked after, the better quality they're going to produce for you in whatever form that is, whether that is because you are raising a meat bird, whether it, that is because you are breeding chicks, or whether that is because you are uh, having them to provide you with eggs for one reason or another. The better they're looked after the better quality end product you're going to get um and it uh, so that includes all of the things that i've previously discussed then there are things like uh things that will crop up um during your time in looking after chickens that is bear, bear in mind i i trying to think how long i've had chickens probably about 20 years um so i've seen a fair few things uh, impacted crop, um, sour crop. Uh, these are all things that you can look up on the internet, but they are uh, treatable, um, not always successfully, uh, has to be said. I have sometimes successfully treated uh, impacted crop. Sometimes it, it just happens again. Um, same with sour crop. Uh, and there are various ways of, dealing with that 
which I'll come to overall. Um, prolapse. Uh, now, in my whole time of chicken keeping, I have only come across one prolapse ever, uh, luckily. Um, and prolapse is when, obviously, all the insides of the chicken are coming outwards, uh, usually through the egg laying processes something has gone wrong and it's they're prolapsing um i have tried to uh remedy the prolapse uh unsuccessfully and i will say what i will say is in the whole time that i've done uh, one bird it was the first egg she'd ever laid uh so it was her first lay she prolapsed um and i tried to rectify the prolapse it didn't work so there were i could not then allow that bird to carry on uh like trying to lay when it, clearly something was wrong and it wasn't going to happen um again as there, there are other things like that you get like uh when they're egg bound personally i've never come across that uh, which is remarkable really but there are again if you go on the internet various ways of um, dealing with that and treating that if you if you can um, what was the other one I was going to talk about? Well, obviously, inevitably, at some point, you may come across a chicken that needs to be dispatched. Uh, you may go into dispatch because you are rearing meat birds, um, or you may need to dispatch a chicken because uh, it's been caught by the fox uh, and the fox hasn't completely killed it, but it's not in a very good state. Um, uh, but it's still alive. That's, you know, you're going to have to, in an emergency, dispatch that chicken. And so I think, my personal opinion is, if you are keeping chickens, you need to learn how to do that uh, for the well-being of your chickens, really. You don't, you don't want them to suffer unnecessarily. Yes, you can go to a vet um, some vets, most vets, as far as I can gather, don't know anything about chickens, hardly. Um, I think there are a few specialist ones out there, but uh, I think they're very few and far between. Um, it's going to cost you a lot of money to take your, your chicken to the vet when it's in a half-dead state to have it dispatched. And that is entirely your choice, obviously. Um, but I, many, many, many years ago, I learned how to dispatch a chicken and it, uh, stands me in good stead really for the times I have to do it. And I, you know, I've done it many, many times over the years, both for rearing meat chickens and because, uh, you know, chickens that just need to be dispatched for one reason or another. I think it, I think if you, my personal opinion is my personal opinion, if I am going to keep chickens, I need to learn how to deal with them from the beginning to the end, is my personal opinion. Um, and I, one of the other opinions I have is that people turn too readily to vets these days. Basically, not that they turn too readily, but they've lost the art of animal husbandry somewhere along the line. So I, I think as well, if you're going to go into looking after animals, um, do gen up on some really good basic animal husbandry and some old fashioned types of animal husbandry as well, because they they still work. For instance, um, I, I will say people who look after horses, they still know how to poultice, uh, you know, and treat things like that. We, But people who look after who have dogs don't know how to do that. Um, and I think it's a, a bit of a lost art, really, uh, that maybe we should, you know, genning up on uh again it's my personal opinion but that's where i see it so i you know i do think that dispatch is as important as uh keeping your chickens alive and healthy um important to learn how to do it uh, as best you can and again there are laws uh on the size of birds that you can dispatch uh weight um and how but in an emergency uh I think any any um, kind of uh, dispatch is better than letting the, any animal suffer, really. Uh, so, 
So, yeah, that's right through to the end, really. I'm trying to think if I've covered everything. Obviously, not every tiny little thing, but most things that I could, I can cover, I've tried to cover on a, you know, on a day-to-day basis. This is how we look after our chickens. Um, All of the things that I've mentioned previously will apply to things like turkeys, uh, and quail, um, guinea fowl, um, they're, they're the kind of things that I've kept, so I don't know, I mean, I assume it apply to most birds of that, of that type, poultry. Um, ducks and geese, however, obviously is slightly different because they don't dust bath, they still need all of the, the things that I've mentioned before, but they don't dust bath and they need um, quite a lot more water. Uh, they need constant water to keep their eyes, um, their face clear, their eyes sort of working. And they obviously like to mate in water as well. So uh, they like they need deep enough water. Ducks make a hell of a mess. I mean, such a mess you wouldn't even believe. And... Uh, you know, it stinks at times through the winter. Um, they poo everywhere. They tread in it with their flat feet everywhere. Um, they like to get water everywhere. Uh, and consequently, there's mud everywhere uh, and dirt everywhere. So they are very messy, but very endearing. Um, I do like the ducks. They are very endearing. Geese... Um, don't need quite so much uh, hard feed unless they can't graze um as obviously they're grass grazers on the whole uh so they still need you know water and shelter and to be protected and looked after and kept in the best possible condition that you can keep them in um but they also need quite a lot of grass to graze on and they will do a sterling job of keeping the grass uh, very nice and short they do need shorter grass not long grass but uh yeah so that all applies to most um to most things that you're that you're going to keep uh poultry wise the other thing i was going to talk about are the absolute joys obviously <laughs> because there are joys of keeping um chickens and ducks and things one of the best things you will ever come across is your the, the first time your bird lays its first egg. And I don't just mean the first egg you ever get. I mean, every time you get a new bird or you've reared a new bird and that bird lays an egg is a great time. It's, it's just one of the best things ever. You know, you've, you, you might have hatched out chicks and... Uh, reared them up and you know they've laid you go in there and one of them's laid their first egg uh, and the following year you, you might re- rear another batch and you go in there and one of those chicks has laid their first egg it's just the best time the best moment I don't know why but it, it just is and obviously you know it's just as good as the very first egg you ever get from your very first birds so uh, the other thing I absolutely adore about chickens um, is in the spring and the summer, you will see them out in the field skipping around, catching insects that are on the wing. That's just delightful to watch that. Uh, they just they run and they'll hop in the air and they'll just catch that insect that's on the wing. And it's, uh, it's just absolute delight to watch, really. The other things that are... Uh, wonderful to watch obviously are if you your chicken has uh you know your hen has hatched her own clutch of eggs um to watch her fiercely uh, protecting her little chicks is just uh just brilliant it's uh one of the best things so she will be very fierce against anything that comes anywhere near her little chicks uh that is just a, a brilliant thing to watch as well um, I love to watch the ducks playing in the water. They just, uh, they just remind me of kids in the, in the playground. In you know, it's been raining. They've got the wellies on. They're splashing around. They just absolutely love it, uh, playing in the water. And it is a, a nice thing to watch. Um, and the geese again. They just, uh, I they're just, 
the funniest thing if if you ever get to to keep geese um you know at times they can be slightly scary uh that's mostly during the egg laying season and if you've got a gander he will be uh very feisty <clears throat> but um you know over the time you get you learn about your birds and you learn how to approach them in the best way to approach them um when to avoid them when to run fast because i've done that before <laughs> uh very often i'll keep a uh, during that time of the year keep a stick handy not to hit them I mean, never ever to hit them with just to ward him off um you can you know and and Sadly, the fox got our gander, but and I've just got the girls on their own now, which they tend not to be quite so feisty. Um, and basically, the basic way, if they get a bit sort of angsty and come to you, is you put your arms out as wide as you can, lift them high like you've got a pair of wings. Just make yourself bigger than them. Hiss at them and they will most of the time turn around and wander off and just carry on with their with their, uh, you know, their daily routine of wandering off to graze somewhere else. They're just having a little bit of a, a test to see who's, uh, who's in charge here. And, uh, you know, it, that it's, uh, it's funny. It does, it can make you laugh. It can make you worry a lot at times. Uh, not, not actually ever been caught by the, uh, the gander or any of the geese, but, uh, at times I have uh, yelled at John to come and rescue me because I've wandered out there, um, you know, unarmed uh, with nothing. And I don't, you know, the only thing I've got then is my is my foot and I don't want to be lashing out with that. So shout for John to come and distract them so that I can get away from any impending attack by the, uh, the gander. But uh, we won't have that next year at all, so... Um, that should make life a lot easier but there are a massive amount of joys of keeping um chickens ducks geese and turkeys i mean that everybody is just always bowled over by ted our wondrous turkey and he you know how amazing he looks um yeah just but what i'd say is if you thinking of going and getting yourself some chickens do you know, go and get some. They're they're an awful lot of fun, and you know you get some good rewards from looking after them and keeping them. So, hope you've enjoyed this one. Uh, slightly different, but um, hopefully useful. I think um, for anybody who's you know going into that, or you know maybe just slightly you know entertaining or a little bit of knowledge imparted, even if you're not. Um, yeah, so. As I said, hope you've enjoyed listening to this one. Thank you for listening and I will catch you next time.